Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. And welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR 855 AM, 3CR Digital and 3cr.org.au. My name is Kaylin and from Brainwaves today we have Susie and the theme of the program is Finding Resilience with a discussion of Philippa's proven ability to overcome adversity. Philippa suffered a devastating life-changing injury and she will be telling us her story and we will discuss her work as a life coach. Hello everyone, I'm Susie and I would just like to thank Heath, another team member, for his contribution to this show. It's wonderful to have Philippa here. Philippa is currently the principal of Why Life Coaching and you can find details on the internet via whylifecoaching.com.au. Philippa has an extensive background in teaching and training and as an educator in secondary schools, but mostly adult education settings, including occupational health and safety and professional and business development. She has authored numerous publications and created many programs on these and various other subjects. Her professional qualifications are too numerous to mention. However, of particular importance today, Philippa worked for WorkSafe for eight years before suffering a devastating, life-changing injury. Terribly ironic. Not only had she to deal with the injury, but also fight a compensation battle. One can only imagine how difficult that would be. As we have mentioned, Philippa now helps others through her life coaching practice and we were keen to have her on the program to hear her story and find out how she has overcome such an experience. Hello, Philippa, and welcome to Brainwaves. Hello, um, Kaylin and Susie. How are you both today? <laughs> we're fantastic. Well, I'm fantastic. I won't speak for you. <laughs> uh, I'm fairly okay. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, Philippa, um, can you just de- describe your job and what it entails? At WorkSafe. At WorkSafe, yes, sorry. Um, I worked at WorkSafe for eight years as a quality training auditor. So we were auditing the people who were delivering health and safety reps training. But apart from that, I think probably the most important thing I did in the last four years of my work there was I was a union representative members of the organisation. So um, during that time, particularly in the last 12 months, there was a huge um, restructure of the whole organisation, lots of redundancies. Um, I was also involved in putting together an EBA. um, An EBA? Enterprise Bargaining Agreement, sorry. Um, How people... Their, work, their working employment conditions and how much oh, okay. they get paid. Yep. So that was a fairly large task, included a strike and a few other fun things well, like that. Well, lots of fun things there, yeah. <laughs> yes. So that's what I did. I supported a lot of people through the traumas. Mm. A workplace can be a dangerous place, mm. any workplace, including 
the workplace of the authority. Um, and like any workplace, there's things like bullying, there's um, people misunderstanding each other, there's people being um, uh, managed, as in um, someone who's done something inappropriate and they're putting in a, uh, a management program for them to ensure that they were working on track. There are people who just generally get upset and need someone to be there on their side when they want to talk to their supervisor or manager. So Mentor was on call um, a lot of the time to be someone's support person. Yeah. And, you know, when I'd meet them the first time, they were often really, really distressed, really upset, mm. in tears. So that was my job. Wow, yeah. And then on a fateful day, yeah. Uh, not that I can remember it, terribly well or anything she says not Uh, 12th of November 2013 I went to lunch like everybody does Mm -hmm. and unfortunately the uh what's it called Uh, food court that's it the food court I was in uh did not have trays for everyone to carry their food around and people could get all you can eat Korean barbecue which of course has oil Mm. and carried their plates back to their tables and dripped their food oil on the floor. Oh, now I can see what's coming. And you know what comes next. Yeah. Over she goes. But when you slip on oil mm. instead of water, you don't land on your nice padded buttocks. You land on your back. And I didn't have some of my high heels, six-inch shoes on that day. I was. Pretty... And let me just say, I've seen some of the photos, and they're amazing. Oh, they were amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yes, one doesn't wear them anymore. And this is important to mention. Philip, off part of her um, identity was these incredible shoes that she was mm-hmm. able to wear, um, and that unfortunately has changed now. Although she's got some pretty decent shoes on today, but they're <laughs> flat. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I was known as some femelda. Um, of course, after Imelda, yeah. Marcos, uh, I would never wear the same pair of shoes. Probably two weeks before you'd see the same one again, sometimes wow. a month or more. Yeah. So um, over I went and landed on my lower back. And it turns out, after lots of doctors, lots of all sorts of stuff going on, as you can imagine, because people think back injuries, huh, you know. There was the old saying when I was a teenager and in my early 20s, um, that back injuries, what's probably even said still, back injuries were all wrong. They were Mm. all people trying to rip off the system. Mm. It used to be called Mediterranean back when Mm. we were young. Mm. Mm. Um, So I had a back injury and it took me two, three different doctors till I finally found out what was wrong and I had um, fractured a vertebrae on the inside so the vertebrae fracture wasn't on the outside, it was on the inside. So um, all the nice gel- gelatinous stuff that sits around your spinal cord yeah. gets constantly aggravated because mm. when you heal again, you don't heal a nice smooth inside. Mm. So that's closer to the, to the cord as well, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So all the nerves that come out of there all are constantly being pushed on and not very happy. Mm. So that's what happened to me, but it took a long time to actually find that out. Yeah. Um, it took a long time for me to understand what it was and what it was and wasn't what it wasn't. Mm. Um, and you do start to question yourself. Mm. You know, is it really nothing? 
Um, you were in immense pain, though, weren't oh, you? Oh, I was in immense pain, immense pain. And I, um, people said, oh, you've just got swelling around your disc. Mm. Swelling around your disc should go. Six months on, it's still swollen. It's still red. What is going on here? So orthopaedic surgeons were no help. Mm. Uh, GT- GP was good. Sent me off to a pain management man. Okay. At least that started to help. Yeah. Uh, but no one knew why. It wasn't until I took it into my own hands and asked to see a neurologist yeah. who actually understood what was going on, ordered the right tests and could explain what was happening. Mm-hmm. So what mm. was happening? Um, as I said, because the, the spinal cord mm. is on the inside of your vertebrae, yeah. when something heals, it always heals lumpy. Okay. Mm. So mm. if you break your shoulder... You'll be out of, well, you can't heal it, but it always heals, um, the calcium builds up. So it never heals to smooth, smooth again. Like mm. yeah. So on the inside, it's constantly being oh. um, irritating, irritating. Yeah, the, the spinal cord and then irritating yeah. the nerves coming out of there, going down my legs. Mm. Wow. Yeah. You've been through a lot, by the sounds mm. of it. And I just would like to say that this... We're heading in a direction here. Um, Philip is here because she is so resilient and she's undergone so many trials and tribulations. For example, she's been resuscitated twice. So, yes. um, so but this, this is a more recent injury and her resilience is something that because I'm a friend of Philippa's, I've just been quite astounded by it and I'm hoping that we can try and draw out of her um, what it is that makes her so strong. Yeah. So I guess what sort of other physical trials I guess did you have to endure with that well I said people just seem to think back injury is a nothing Mm. it's all in your head a lot of people think it's all in your head Um, going to the pain management clinic Mm. uh, made me realize that pain uh, is you can't measure it except by on the doctor's little measuring scales mm. there is no there's the break there yes it will take this long mm. oh you've ripped this off here mm. it will take this long mm. i have an injury that's going to be there it's there yeah. and to not be believed as well yeah, oh, there's a lot right. of not believing yeah. you people mm. think and i guess you would have seen that on the other side with your job and now being on the reciprocating side of that well i well. worked on the health and safety side not the um insurance oh, side okay, so yeah. i didn't really see it yeah. but it was very difficult to be someone who had to deal with the other side now yeah, yeah, I can and imagine. deal with the agents. Yeah. Um, I made it a conscious effort always to be polite to my case managers, always, because they were just doing their job. Mm. Um, but it's still hard work. Oh, of course, mm. of still hard because you really feel they don't believe you. Yeah, And also, like, you had all those skills because of your... Um, role, your career position, other people wouldn't have that ability to negotiate and get their case across and you still struggled. Yes, Mm. I must admit I I know how to advocate. I advocate Mm. for other people so I can advocate Mm. for myself. But Mm. when you're on morphine patches, when you can't sleep in your own bed because of the pain, when you don't get any sleep, um, when you're taking all the medication and you're feeling really really dreadful about yourself it's really hard to advocate for yourself and Mm. I wasn't used to being in the position of the person who needed help Mm. fortunately for me 
um, the CPSU, which I was a member of. And what's the CPSU? Uh, sorry, the no, that's all right. Community. Um, Community and Public Sector Union, oh, okay, yeah. so Public Service, yep. Union, Public Service Union, had some amazing people who helped advocate for me, mm. really great people. So mm. um, it was nice that someone now could do it for me. Mm. Mm. Definitely. And what is your health like now? Oh, look, I still have the injury and it's still there. And Susie will be able to tell you, we, we, I can't do a great deal of walking without being in pain. I've just recently had... Um, a nerve denervation on my back, which oh. means they burn the nerves coming out of the oh, wow. spinal cord so that the message back to my brain isn't as strong. Okay. So it's a not a pleasant procedure. It hurts. What, what, yeah. They stick a big needle in your back oh. and they burn you. And, okay. Yeah, it's not yeah. pleasant, no. but it means I don't get the same messages back to my brain so I don't feel as much pain. I think that's a big thing to think about as well. So nerve pain hasn't really been understood very well until recently. Nerve and even pain. then it's still not. Like I've experienced it twice in my life with my left shoulder. And I mean, I had childbirth and it was fine. And that was the <laughs> worst thing I've ever experienced in my life. So I take my hand off to you. I can nerve only imagine is, how bad that would have been. Nerve yeah. pain is difficult to deal with. It feels like, why is there an army of ants running up and down yeah. my leg? I remember being in a hydrotherapy pool, which is 28 degrees, mm. and one of my legs felt frozen. Oh, so wow. sometimes your legs can be hot, sometimes they can be mm. cold, and sometimes they can be hot and cold and an army of ants running up and down. And your body's something that you rely on and that you trust, and when suddenly your body's doing things that you don't know why oh, it's well, doing those things, yes. it takes away that trust. And you know? I don't trust my legs anymore, yeah. I must admit. Yeah. To get back into shopping centres, let alone food courts, took me probably four years. Mm. Emotionally, I could not face them. Yeah. I mm. still experience a bit of um, trauma when I see someone else slip or if I slip myself mm. or if there's water on a marble floor, I get a bit of a panic attack. Yeah. Mm. That's understandable. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would feel exactly mm. the same way. So mm. yeah. I have my moments. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you for coming along here today. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Well, um, Philippa, I know that you, I don't want to go into too much detail about this, but I know that you also had a battle for compensation to deal with. I did. Um, and the, I suppose the worst thing about this was ultimately I went to really good top lawyers. Um, I received the small amount that you can get via the uh, system. Um, and believe me, uh, the system amount you get is not very big. But in terms of a public compensation claim, I was informed by the top lawyers that I couldn't, that because what? it was in a public place and they couldn't be seen to be constantly cleaning the floor, I had the choice of I could take it to court because the the shopping centre were going to only go to court, mm -hmm. which would mean I would spend the next seven years in that energy because it would take that long to get to court. Mm -hmm. Or I could think, oh, well, forget about it. And I came to see the, solic the solicitor this day and I said, I've thought long and hard about this because of everything that's going on. Do I want to spend seven more years in this energy thinking who's watching me, who's got a 
camera out watching me go to my rubbish bin or talk to my granddaughter or do anything because that's what they do. That's why it takes so long. They film you. They watch you. See, she can bend over when she needs to. They don't get the full picture. They just get, actually, they get the picture. They don't get everything that goes with it. Mm. And I decided that as part of my mental health, I would stop. Yeah. And mm. go no further yeah. and not pursue compensation because I didn't want to put myself into a seven-year mm. emotional battle. On top mm. of trying to deal with the pain, it makes mm. total sense. Like, yeah. You know, you're she... at that point where you can't handle anything else and, yeah, no. And my solicitor was totally astounded. She goes, I wish more people whose case is difficult and there's a mm. very good chance that I would not win yeah. would say... Step away. Yes, I think you made a really wise decision there. She was astounded because it turns out I'm not common. Yeah. So I know that this experience that you had did impact on your mental health. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Early in the first two years, I was stuck in my story. Stuck in my story. That's all I could think. If only it hadn't have happened. If only I didn't walk there. If only I'd gone somewhere else for lunch. Oh, poor me. You get so caught up in your story that everything in your life relates to your injury. Everything becomes tied into your injury. Um, My children, my husband, or everything in my life just tied into my injury. Mm. To the point... You become the woman who fell over on this day. Yeah, it becomes all-consuming. All-consuming. I, is I can the word. relate to it. I can actually yeah. relate to it on a personal level. Yeah. yeah, it becomes all-consuming. And at one point, I didn't want to go on. It was all too hard. I had plenty of medication, plenty of pain medication. I could have stopped just then and there. Um, I used to get phone calls from my husband or my children during the day, and looking back. I know they were just checking in on me. But at one stage I contacted a friend whose husband had a car accident and talked to him about this concept of do I want to be here or do I want to end it? And he was really helpful. Oh, that's good. But there was definitely days when I just didn't want to do it anymore because mm. you felt like a burden on your family, mm. a burden on your children, a burden on everybody. People don't believe you and people don't know what you're going through. And and I was a vibrant, busy, six-inch high-heeled walking woman mm. who suddenly had a crutch and a walking stick and we're walking around in flat clogs, black ones at that. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. they're not black today, let me tell no, you. No, She's no, got the most black. beautiful silver shoes on. Yeah. Chrome. Chrome. Oh, chrome. <laughs> chrome. Oh, chrome. Oh. Yes. Yeah. So... Just tore down your identity. T- tears and, down yeah. your identity. Yeah. Mm. Um, one thing I did learn is now my identity isn't linked to what I do for a living. My identity is me. Doesn't matter what what job I do, um, who I talk to, where I live, what I wear. I don't need that anymore. I have right. learned, and that is part of coming to terms with you being you. Mm. post a trauma is not saying I used to be Philippa the auditor the educator the union rep all of those things I couldn't put those tags on myself anymore Mm. so you think well I'm nothing Mm. 
time. When you think I'm nothing, that's when you think, why am I here? Yeah. Mm. And that's, I guess, that resilience that Susie talks about when she speaks of you. She's, you mm. know, you can hear that just mm. in your voice now that, mm. that you've taken something and you've gone, okay, well, I'm going to use it to empower me rather than to pull me down, mm. which is great. Oh, mm. It doesn't happen in the first... Oh, of course mm. not. No, it, yeah. it, it takes time. And I think it's only we were just discussing before the program that you've realised you are resilient now, but whether you would have identified as that a few years ago, um, but yet you were coping with terrible trauma. Um, at the time. So you are resilient, you're still here. Oh, and... I know I'm resilient now. <laughs> yeah. I'm well aware. And I look back to, you know, some other things that have happened in my life where I've died on operating tables and things, and people said to me then, and I wanted to slap this person, what kills you doesn't, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. Well, you know what? That is true. Yeah. If you can tap into it. That's right. Yeah. Just saying that to someone Doesn't who's help. not down, who's <laughs> down and has had some crap happen to them is really, really makes you angry. Yeah, it's like saying calm down, that works too, oh, doesn't yeah, it? that works really well, yeah. <laughs> calm down. Yeah, yeah calm down. <laughs> oh, um, Philippa, were there any specific techniques or supports that you drew on? Like you said, your family were checking in on you every day. My family or... checked in on me. Uh, I came across the concept of life coaching. Really, yes. that was the biggest thing um, via a phone call from someone I didn't know, and um, I learnt more about coaching and decided to go and do a coaching course because I thought, well, if this person can talk to me and make me realise it's not about my story, and start talking to me about, well, who am I and how do I want to move forward? Because that's what life coaching is about. It's about moving forward. Um, it's not about looking at my story. Tell me my sto- your story once. And now where do you want to go? Mm. How are we going to get you there? I'm here to hold your hand and walk alongside with you. But guess what? I don't do the work. You have to do the work. Mm. I'm just that knowing a person who goes, have you done it yet? <laughs> I'm still here. Mm. No different than a sporting coach mm. who can't run the mile for you, mm. but they're there to support you. And it sounds a little bit like solution-focused therapy, which as a counsellor is one of the therapies I like, which is basically you don't stick with it. You, you've told your story. You have to move forward and find solutions. Yeah. Mm. And, and you have to. You, you can't stay. And that's why I didn't follow the compensation because I did not want to be in that energy. Mm. You've got to find something to get you out of that all-encompassing energy. Yeah, and sometimes it's having that realisation to know that the, that the energy's bad. That this, this, oh, this, yes. You know, like we get stuck there, but we don't realise that we're stuck there. No. We think that we're getting somewhere, but we're actually not. No, and when, you, when that little light comes on that says, oh, oh, there's something more I can do, mm. I'm not finished as a person because there was a time there I was finished as a human being I was worthless there was nothing more I could do for anybody kill me now I'm, I'm a waste of space mm. and when that suddenly oh hang on there is something I can do wow oh I could do a whole different career mm. when that hit me it's amazing how quickly you begin to run in your head as mm. to where you can go I don't run anywhere, (laughs) but I can run in my head. Yeah, Mm. And I know that you have a lot of clients, Um, so I've actually visited you once when you were uh, on the phone for an hour counselling someone. Well, I don't counsel, remember. Yeah. I'm not a (laughs) counsellor. Yes. Providing support. Yeah. 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 
I, I work with people and I use things like neuro-linguistic programming techniques. Um, but the biggest thing anyone can do to help anyone who's stuck like I was, was to use their head in the way that God gave us to us. If you believe in God, if you don't, however we got it. We got two ears, we got one mouth. Listen to the person you're with. Mm. Listen to what they're saying. Look at how they're saying it. When they're talking about themselves, how is their face? Mm. What's going on with non, you know, the non-verbal body language if you're with mm. them face to face? What words are they using to describe themselves? Because mm. language is so powerful. And we create the world we, we live in through our language. And through stories as well, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, so um, is there any other advice that you can give, like anything else that particularly stood out? You had family support, you went into life coaching, and now you are obviously haven't got time to dwell on your story because you're too busy helping other people. Um, I will <coughs> tell other people snippets of my story if it's going to help them. Yes, um, because humans are meaning-making machines. That's what we are. And we use our, I like to think, six senses to make mm. meaning of the world. So before something horrible happens to you, you've got a whole set of meaning already organised for the world for yourself. When something happens and you can't do things the way you used to do, you've got to learn a whole new way of making meaning of the world. Mm. And that's why people need to listen to you and pick up on the way you're talking. Mm. And you can tell if somebody is not moving forward through their language. Mm. So the best thing you can do for someone is to listen to them and not dismiss them. Mm. Listen for what they're not saying. Mm. Because what they're not saying is quite often the important stuff. Mm, And Carl Carl Rogers as well also said Mm. he's a very famous psychologist and he's responsible for uh, person therapy, person-centred therapy, therapy, yeah. yeah. Um, And essentially he said you've not only to listen but let the person know that they understood. Mm. And understood, as you said, means picking up on their body language, their expressions and the feelings that they're either hiding or showing. So, and yeah. Feeling heard is one of the most important mm. things you can yeah. do for another yeah. another person. It's yeah. one of the things that we, you know, we crave the most. Is to, I mean, you said the same thing when you were going through everything, you know, people not believing you and yeah. all that stuff. So, but, yeah. Well, we, it seems we didn't have enough time to talk after all. <laughs> um, I think we could have gone for another half an hour. But we just want to say a huge thank you to you, Philippa, for taking the time to come and share your story and about how you literally have turned your life around after a devastating accident. If anyone wants more information, look look up whylifecoaching.com.au. Yeah, and I'd just like to say a big thank you to Susie today um, who um, wonderfully organised Philippa to come on the show and thank you, Philippa, as well. We had a great discussion and likewise I think we could have kept talking for a while. Um, You can find more of our shows at our website, uh, brainwaves.org.au, on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au or on iTunes. Feel free to send us feedback or suggestions for shows via email at brainwaves at wellways.org. Thank you for listening and we'll be back next Wednesday at 5pm for another episode of Brainwaves on 3CR. 
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.